Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Duke Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the interwebs, and that's the internet for those of you who are concerned, and across the state of Alaska. On this, your favorite radio station and or translator, and I mean FM translator, since they don't make AM translators, just in case you weren't, you know, you were, just in case you were wondering, when I say translator, I mean FM translator, because that's what they do. That's, that's how it works. FM translator. Frequency modulation. Um, hey, welcome to the uh, program. It is the Michael Duke Show, the post-election addiction. Addiction? addiction? It's, it's your post. I think I need more coffee this morning. It's your post-election edition of the uh, of the Michael Duke Show. Hello, hell, hello. How are you? Are you uh, <clears throat> a little punch drunk? One too many hits with a snake. Uh, yeah, it is the, it's election day, uh, post-election day, and we've got some, well, some very, very interesting results, very interesting results, um, from the initial returns from the election. Now, the biggest thing that you'll notice is we do not have, uh, the full answers yet on the ranked choice voting election, which was the special general election for the U.S. House seat, for the seat of former Congressman Don Young. Um, And we will not have an answer on that for, well, a good two weeks. In fact, they won't announce or certify that. I guess it'll be certified on the 2nd of September. Is that the official word? Uh, we'll have the results sometime because it's 15 days from Election Day, which puts the uh, final arrival of the mail-in ballot somewhere around the 31st of August. They'll ca- they'll tabulate, they'll collate, they'll do all the number crunching for the ranking and the choices, and they'll have it on the 1st, and I guess they will certify it on the 2nd. So... We're still a good two weeks and two days away from knowing who is going to be filling in that seat for the late Don Young, Um, which gives them, what, exactly uh, just under three months to serve at that point. Um, but we do have some uh, we do have some information and some news uh, off the uh, jungle primaries. And in some cases, it's uh, super important. Uh, and in other cases, it's more of uh, what I like to call polling data because that's really what it becomes because it, you know for most seats in um, the Alaska legislature specifically, there is no, um, 
there is no effect of the jungle primary because according to the new ranked choice voting system, the top four candidates for every office will end up in the general election. Well, most of those seats didn't have uh, four candidates. Most of them had only two or three. There were a handful that had four, and then there was one out of 59 seats that had five. And so um, it's more of a poll where you can test the waters to see where people, you know, how they were feeling, what was going on, and everything else. And there's some interesting results in there, too. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Now, my voting experience yesterday was um, pretty simple and easy. Um, it was definitely the, the turnout um, has been... Well, it was pretty pretty phenomenal. Uh, we had a 25.61% voter turnout, according to the summary from the Division of Elections that was updated as of uh, 1.20 this morning. 25.61%, um, 153,336 voters of 598 registered voters, 598 thousand that is registered voters uh voted now if they had cleaned up the voter rolls and boy if i saw one post on facebook about people being like i left alaska six years ago why did i just get my voter cards i haven't been registered to vote in alaska for five years my brother has lived out of state i changed my name and got married and moved to another state and they updated my married name and still sent me a voter how are they <clears throat> I have questions. I have, I have serious questions about what is going on at the division of elections. I mean, really, I mean, the one that was the, that was the classic. Um, uh, there were several different ones that I, uh, that I got, um, uh, messages about, but the one that just made me shake my head was the one where the gal said, I left Alaska however many years ago, got married, changed my name through the marriage, and somehow the state of Alaska updated to my new married name and sent me a voting card in Florida. How does that work? I mean, they got to do some work for that. And this is after I had conversations with a couple listeners about how they were trying to get their dead spouses off the rolls and how it took, you know, basically going into the office and having a breakdown in the office and passing around a thousand dollars worth of death certificates because they demand a new death certificate every time you try to do this. And they're a hundred bucks a crack. That's another thing. You a hundred dollars a piece and you have to have the original and you got to send it to every state department and the division of elections eats them like potato chips. I mean, okay. There's a whole show in there that I'm sure we're going to get into one of these days. Uh, but anyway, 20, sorry, I did not mean to sidebar on that. 25.61% of the registered voters got out and voted. Uh, I asked my poll worker uh, how the turnout had been, and she said he's been very busy all day. Spoke to a couple people I knew who worked uh, in and around uh, 
um, areas that had voting locations at them, and they were like very busy. I know the Homer location uh, specifically. Um, I got reports throughout the day as to how many people were showing up, and they were said it was one of the busiest times that they remember. Um, and it it was a significant, <clears throat> excuse me, a significant turnout. Um, so uh, some good stuff uh, going on around the state of Alaska as far as people getting motivated to go out there and have their voice be heard. Now we're going to, we're going to peel through this. um, We're going to peel through these reports here. I have again, the latest report from the division of elections that was dated and timed at one 20 this morning. Um, But a reminder that in a lot of cases, not all of the precincts have reported in. And in fact, this report even says that 323 of 402 precincts have reported. That's an 80% reporting return. Some precincts have had 100% of their, you know, com- but some have not. So everything that I say here this morning is potentially subject to change. Um, but I will try and outline and let you know when um when it's 100 reporting and when it's not i'll i'll do my i'll do my best to uh to outline that for you and lay it all out there uh but again treating a lot of this like a uh, especially once we get into the legislative seats treating a lot of this more like a polling more more like polling data than actual election results because it gives us an idea of kind of where folks are sitting in some of these uh, races in some of these seats. And there is some surprising results in here. I'll be honest with you. There is some very surprising results um, uh, to me anyway. They, they surprised me. Um, and so we'll talk about that um, as well. Coming up in hour two of the program today will be um, State Senator Mike Schauer, who is going to come in and He'll give us his post-election feeling, um, and we'll see what we'll see what he has to say. Um, this, I mean, this should be a fun. Uh, this should be a fun segment for a variety of reasons. One of the reasons I will not tell you until the beginning of hour two. I will tell you one of the reasons why this should be fun. Um, at the beginning of hour two, it's a it's a surprise. It's a surprise. Um, and so you'll have to stay tuned into the beginning of hour two when we join up with state Senator Mike shower, and I will tell you all about what's going on. Um, but until then we call that the hook. We'll see if we can hook you back on this. Um, all right. Well, uh, I got a couple minutes here, so let me, let me hit, let me hit on the highlights. Let me talk a little bit about the um, the rank choice voting results. Now, a reminder, the rank choice voting results um, are not final and they will not be final for another 15 days. But we do have the initial preliminary results of that race and uh, we have an idea of, you know, who is doing what with uh, now. This was, again, as of last night, uh, 23, 233 of 402 precincts reporting in. That's 57 percent of the precincts. 
and about 20% of the registered voters. Um, as it sits right now, Mary Peltola, the Democrat, is leading the race with 37.5% of the vote. Putting Sarah Palin, that's 44,000 votes. Sarah Palin in at 33.1% of the vote. That's 38,700 votes. And leaving Nick Begich in the rear with 29,000, excuse me, with 29.22% of the vote. That's 34,000 votes. So really there's only 10,000 votes separating the last place from the first place. There were 1,597 write-in votes, and a significant number of them um, were probably uh, for Tara Sweeney, uh, because remember, on this same ballot, on this same ballot, you had this race all over again, only it was for the regular primary, so it was a vote one, vote for one. Um, and, uh, the, this is the interesting thing. Now I'll tell you how I voted because I don't care if you know. Um, and I think it's an interesting, I did it as, because one, I wanted to vote for who I wanted to vote for and B wait one and B and two, I wanted to, you know, strategize a little bit here because, you know, they always saying the one, the second votes are the ones that seem to count more. So for the U.S. House of Representatives in the ranked choice voting race, I voted for Chris Bayh as my number one choice. Chris Bayh was the Libertarian write-in candidate, and uh, I believe that he would do a great job. Um, I like him personally. I think he's fantastic. Um, now, do I think that he had a snowball's chance in hell of garnering 35,000 votes? Probably not, but I got a chance to vote my conscience. Then I voted for Nick Baggage as number two, and then I voted for Sarah Palin as number three. Now, part of that strategy is, is that sometimes your number two vote is the one that really counts, right? I mean, that's some of the finagling we heard. So it will be interesting to see in the second round of voting how these numbers even back out. Um, one of the most interesting things that I saw um, in the commentary and in the uh, interviews with uh, the various candidates uh, is that uh, Sarah Palin, um, you know, we've been talking about ranking the red and doing all these things. Nick Baggage, even though he ran, a, and, and I think that was a mistake, by the way, ran a negative campaign. Uh, they both, Sarah Palin and Nick Baggage, at the very end were slugging it out in this he said she said classic uh and in fact baggage defended his attacks on palin as quote a classic part of campaigning i think that was a mistake um but in the end baggage said that he was still ranking the red and said that he voted for himself then he ranked sarah palin and then he wrote in a candidate for his third choice as donald duck jr uh which Okay, why just not vote for the Libertarian? Anyway, uh, I, uh, and Sarah Palin, for her part, did not do that. She said, I don't believe in this system, so I voted for myself, and that was it. So she was a bullet candidate, which, 
I think pretty much summates my feelings on the whole thing with Palin at this point. But we can talk about that in we can talk about that in a minute. We're I'm gonna get in. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a break and we're gonna come back and I'm gonna dissect some of this other stuff and we'll continue. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Election results continue on the other side. Then State Senator Mike Shower, the top of the hour. We'll be back with more right after this. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Okay, uh, in the break, 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 Um, how are you guys this morning? How are you guys doing? You ready to uh, get things in? Okay, good morning. I sent you an email about my voting experience, Tawny. I did see that, and we'll talk about that here in a second. I needed a little extra jolt this morning. Man, it's some good stuff right there. Oh, yeah. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. All right. <sighs> Voting was easy enough, but now we have to wait for the chips to fall, says Chuck. I agree. Um, let's see. Good morning. Good morning from Kenai. Voter apathy and ignorance. Although I, uh, um, what? Uh, let's see. Good morning, all survivors of the rank choice voting. Good morning. Uh, can Kelly pull it off? We haven't even got to that yet, but that's a statistical dead heat. Um, yep, good stuff. Um, Jungle Primary brought to you by Donkey Pox. <laughs> um, uh, they never answer your questions. They feel like they're doing a great job at the CF known as the Division of Elections, right? Well, I mean, she told you yesterday that she did a great job of educating everybody. Didn't you see that? Um oh sure the death certificates thing i recently went through as you know it's preposterous that they would keep them inspect them and return them yeah no exactly uh tawny says no they need an automatic system between vital statistics and elections no cost to a grieving family i would agree with that i mean they're both divisions of the state why can't you query the the, the statistics vital statistics and say do you have a death certificate for this name yes good it's done Again, I spoke to a grieving widow who basically went through seven or eight copies of a death certificate to try and finally get her husband off the division of election, uh, off the voter rolls. Um, I mean, it's just, it's insane. Um, I thought Kelly would trounce Murkowski in the primary, then it would be close in November. I think it's going to be a dead statistical heat all the way through, Paul. I really do. Um I thought that Murkowski was going to lead, and she is, uh, but I thought it was going to be close, and it is. It's going to come right down to the wire. It's going to come right down to the wire. Um, uh, let's see. Rig choice. 
So many uneducated voters expect Walker to walk. He may withdraw and endorse Garris as Harold. Well, possible. Um, Kirk's PFD vote came to kill his efforts and all that campaigning he did. I would agree with that. I think that was the that was the moment that his campaign died. Quite honestly. Um. Um. Da 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 da. Scrolling through. Um, uh, Shower and Gillum appear to be voted out. We haven't got quite to that point yet uh, uh, in my commentary, but yes, the sneak peek is is that both Shower and Gillum are losing in the primary race, which is kind of a polling thing, which is interesting, uh, but we'll see how that turns out in the end. Um, Palin, not much common sense there, so do we know anything yet michael no i'm giving you what i know um let's see here um senator showers on the best there is took time to keep everyone updated what's going on nothing appears to be changing in juno um folks are voting for the swamp to stay in um Ears of IT contracts across the Pacific Northwest just went to full attention, uh, says Chris. Uh, I don't know about, uh, I don't know what, I don't know what you mean about that, Chris. Maybe you could explain that more fully to me. Uh, Meanwhile, I'm still not caught up, or I just got caught up on it, and we're just going to jump back into it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like it, share, like it, share, like it, follow. Let's do this. Okay, um, where was I? I got distracted by the chat room. Um, you could join us in the chat room, by the way. Uh, we broadcast live every morning, not only on the radio, but also on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitch. I don't know, wherever wherever we can find a place to park our little uh, merry uh, stream, that's where we put it. And uh, you're welcome to come in and join us and uh, be part of it as well. Uh, we were just going over the initial election results. And talking about the special general election, which is the ranked choice election. Um, let me now move beyond that because we're not going to know what the true answers on that are for another two weeks, right? Because all the all the absentee and mail-in ballots have 15 days to arrive at the Division of Elections. And then they'll be able to collate, tabulate, and then run all the calculations for the subsequent ranks of voting for rank choice voting. But let's uh, take a look at the overall um, at the overall vote for the regular primary. Now for the same seat, still the same seat, the U.S. House of Representatives vote for one with 57.9, almost 58 percent of the precincts reporting in. 
um, we can take a look at the numbers as they sit out. Again, Mary Peltola coming in with 34.5% of the vote. Sarah Palin with 32% of the vote. And Nick Begich with 27% of the vote. Now, interestingly enough, um, I come down to who is then next for the fourth position because we're looking to fill out the fourth position here. And that is Tara Sweeney. Uh, but Tara only comes in, surprisingly, uh, I thought that this would be more of a, uh, because her name was still on the ballot and she was out there running as a write-in and still had lots of supporters. She came in with 3.26% of the vote, 30, almost 3,900 votes. So it looks like as of now with, again, caveat, 58% of the precincts reporting in. It looks like Tara Sweeney will be the fourth candidate on the four-person ballot in November. But interestingly enough, my friend Chris By, the Libertarian candidate who I also voted for in the primary, um, is the fifth-place candidate with 778 votes. Now, that's, I mean, that's a far cry from the 3,900 votes that Tara Sweeney did, but coming in fifth place, um, basically uh, low-key with no, I mean, with no, uh, uh, no real organization or, you know, ad campaign or anything else, um, in a, whatever this was, 30 plus person race is a pretty big achievement. Um, that is 0.65% of the vote. Uh, again, Tara Sweeney pulling in 3.26% of the vote, but I just want to say congratulations to Chris by, um, who had my support and I think did very well, uh, for running for the first time. And, um, and, and, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe Chris, next time, maybe you'll have more recognition and a bigger, you know, kind of uh, organization around you. Or maybe this is just as far as you wanted to go. I don't know. But congratulations to you on, uh, I think, making uh, making a, 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 an impact and making a difference. Uh, he is the fifth place finisher out of all of the other candidates in there. So it looks like in November, again, this is with 58% of the precincts reporting in. I don't want you to get too twisted on this. But with 58% of the precincts reported in, as of right now, the top four vote getters for the congressional race will be Mary Peltola, Sarah Palin, Nick Baggage, and Tara Sweeney. So that's the... Uh, that's the big, that's the big one right there. And of course, we're going to have to wait and see how this all turns out. Um, all right. Well, let's now get into um, the rest of the races, the rest of the races that are going on around the, uh, that are going on around the, uh, the, 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 the world here. So I got to figure out how to share my screen here for this because I got my new software and I'm trying to figure out what I need to do. All right, I'm going to bring it out over here. So we're going to talk a little bit and uh, we're going to uh, we're going to get into this. Here we go. Um, 
close that, close that. All right. So here is the look at the different lists and candidates for what uh, what we had to look at here for the U.S. Senate. So the U.S. Senate seat is, um, is, is definitely going to be a different kind of race. Uh, here we have uh, Lisa Murkowski um, uh, leading the race, but by the slimmest, slimmest of margins. 43.73% overall. Uh, this is, again, with 80% of the precincts reporting in. And uh, Kelly Shabaka with 40.39% of the uh, precincts reporting in. Now, the main competitor amongst all this was Pat Chesbro, right? Well, Pat Chesbro, only 6.2% two percent of the votes and uh surprisingly buzz kelly who i mean who right buzz Ke who buzz kelly buzz kelly <clears throat> republican buzz kelly coming in with 3300 votes which is 2.23 percent of the vote so as it sits right now it will be uh, Lisa Murkowski, Kelly Shabaka, Pat Chesbro, and Buzz Kelly. Three Republicans, or uh, people who are running as Republicans, whether they are or not, I guess, is up for interpretation, and one Democrat. Now, this is unfortunate because my choice was Sean Thorne, the Libertarian. Um, he was only able to pick uh, about 1,100 votes. So he actually finished down uh, in the pack uh, on this, which is unfortunate. Um, but, uh, here's, that's, that's what we're looking at. We're, that's what we're looking at right now. That four-way race is now going to be, um, uh, is now going to be between Murkowski, Shabaka, Pat Chesbro, and Buzz Kelly, who I guess we'll have to interview and talk to. Uh, we already went over the numbers for the U.S. House race. Now the good news with 80% of the precincts reporting in, the race for governor and lieutenant governor, 80% of the precincts reporting in, and a 25, almost 26% voter turnout, we now have uh, a look at who is going to be in the final take for governor. Uh, Mike Dunleavy with a commanding lead, 41.8%, almost 42% of the vote, going for Mike Dunleavy and Nancy Dahlstrom. Uh, in the second position is Les Guerra and Cook, his running mate, at 22%. And then Walker Dragas down at the bottom with 21.92% coming in for number third. But remember, we've been talking about who is going to be the fourth place candidate in the four-way race because that is going to make the difference in the long run. And we had been pushing and hoping and talking and, you know, that that Charlie Pierce and Edie Grunewald needed to be the ones to make that choice. And lo and behold, at 6.8 percent, 10,364 votes, Charlie Pierce and Edie Grunewald look like they are in the catbird seat to be in fourth position, to be the fourth name 
on the uh, ranked choice voting in November. The nearest opponent to that was Chris Kirka, um, who we have, who was on the program yesterday, called into the program yesterday to dispute some of the things that were being said. And uh, he only had 6,000 compared to Charlie's 10,300. So he had 3.98% of the vote. And I would say, or speculate, that uh, that part of that vote probably came out of his vote on the PFD. That was a disastrous vote for Kirka. Um, voting against a full PFD um, has resonated with many of the people that I've spoken to. So I think that is a thing. But it's going to be Dunleavy, Guerra, Walker, and Pierce in the four-way race. Now, the real work begins, my friend. The real work begins. You have got two and a half months to get Charlie Pierce's name out there on every conservative's list. Um, okay, we're going to continue on here. I got to check. Uh, I got to check my time. Okay, um, I got about uh, two minutes. Uh, we'll start off with District A, which is down in the Sitka area. Bert Stedman, sixty-seven percent to Mike Sheldon's thirty-two percent. Not surprising. Uh, we'd like to have seen a little bit more support for Sheldon, but Bert Stedman has got that place locked up tight as a drum. We know it. Jesse Keel in Senate District B got a hundred percent of the vote because he was the only guy running. Uh, District C, down in Kodiak, Heath Smith, Gary Stevens, Walter Jones. Um, even if Heath Smith was the only guy running, if Walter Jones wasn't running, uh, which I've seen some people argue that one of them needs to drop out to support the other one, it still wouldn't have been enough because right now, Gary Stevens, 61% of the vote, Heath Smith, 28% of the vote, and Walter Jones, 10% of the vote. So essentially, you've got 38% running, a, you know, voting against the incumbency. So the power of that incumbency is still running true. And I'm hoping that sometime between now and November, some of these, some of this changes. That's all we can hope for. Some of these will have to change. Um, Tuckerman Babcock in District D used to be Senate District O. You had Tuckerman Babcock, Jesse Bjorkman, and Andy Sizek. Um, Babcock with a pretty commanding lead, 15% lead right now. Um, <clears throat> all three of them, of course, will still remain in the general election, the ranked choice voting in November. But you could see that Babcock has got a pretty good lead here. And uh, uh, this will be his race to lose down in that district. Um, Senate District E, this is going to be one of those tough races. I can tell you that right now. You've got Casey Roslin, the Democrat, Kathy Giesel, the uh, challenger, and Roger Holland, the incumbent, for the state Senate race down in the Anchorage area. Now, Holland beat out Giesel previously in the primary uh, by a slim margin, but still beat her out as the incumbent. This is where ranked choice voting is all going to come to come to play, because right now Giesel has the lead at 36.12%. Uh, followed by Roslyn at 32%, and then followed by Holland at the end with 31%. You see, if this ranked choice voting thing falls apart, um, I, I, this is this is a tough one. Uh, Roger Holland's going to have to get out there and really beat the street and show what he needs to do. The problem is, is that if Roslyn falls to third place and the second round of voting comes through, my guess is, is that Rosalind Casey's voters will vote for Kathy Giesel. 
So this is going to be a tough, tough race right here to get over. And we're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to talk about that. Um, as we continue, uh, we have to take a quick break and we'll be back uh, with our final rundown here of some of these races. I'm going to probably have to rush through some of them because, well, I'm taking my time here. Taking my time, but we're going to continue. Mike Shower is going to be at the top of the hour. We'll be talking about that. I've got that big surprise coming up at the top of hour one. You got to stick around to find out. All right, the Michael Luke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. We'll return with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break right now. Um, I had to juggle some stuff there to make it work. All righty. Let me go back to where, uh, let me go back to where we were. See what we had here on the comment side. Um, same here. Chris was my right in and I ranked him second. Um, Tell Chris to run as a Republican, then switch when he gets there. More people can play their game, says Rick. You're talking about uh, Chris, um, Chris By, yeah, ever, yeah, a lot of people, um, a lot of people uh, uh, run that in. Uh, your data is old. Refresh your data. I got my data this morning at 5:40 a.m. this morning. So, are you saying that they've updated it since uh, I got started on the show? Because 20 minutes before airtime is when I got uh, when I got started. Let me go over here and and scroll down to the link again to make sure that I've got uh, uh, where was it right here? Uh, up division of election website. Uh, 22nd primary. Let me pull that up again. Make sure that it's. I mean, it's very possible. Nope. 1:20 a.m. Still 1:20 a.m. So that is the latest election report from the Division of Elections websites. Um, that is the election report summary. Unless you want to point me to another link that's somewhere else. Um, well, I guess we'll do it again in November. Maybe people will get it right then. <laughs> oh, man. Um uh, Peltola has work to do to prevail in November. This fight between Palin and Begish may result in Mary being elected to Congress. That very, that very well could be. Um, let's see, blah, 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 blah. Bush, AK low turnout, probably weather for the most part, mostly the hub showing votes. Uh, I'm happy so far. I'm at it about 43%. That's 10% better for norm, than normal for conservatives out here, says Willie. Yep, Willie, haven't gotten to you yet, but we were going to report on that. And yeah, you're doing very good. Um, uh, what the hell, man? I got somebody. 
Sorry about that. Like somebody who's got the loudest truck in the world decided to go outside the studio this morning and uh, idle around. <clears throat> okay. The garbage truck doesn't make that much noise. Um, I see with all these House and Senate wins by incumbent leadership that nobody cares about the PFD and the law. The state is getting more purple, says Paul. Yeah, I mean, you're jumping ahead here, but yeah, some of these races, like the Gary Stevens race, I was a little disappointed that that was not a little bit closer, for sure. Um, Chris was my write-in. I ranked him second, said Shelley. Yeah, I ranked all my write-in stuff as first because I figured that the rest of the candidates were pretty much, they were covered. We didn't have to worry. We didn't have to worry about that. They were going to be just fine. They were going to be just fine as far as that went. Um, all right. Has to be Charlie Pierce. Yep, Charlie Pierce. Um, now we have to work to get Charlie elected. I mean, like I said, this is where the rubber is going to meet the road. Uh, we've got two and a half months to educate everybody about the pluses of Charlie Pierce. Aren't we just going to do this whole thing, that, that turn around and do the same thing in two and a half months? This whole thing seems, I don't know, a waste of time and resources. Well, that was, that's why I said this is more of a poll than anything else. Um, Lisa would have lost by more than Liz Cheney, given Lisa had, uh, yeah, I mean, Liz Cheney lost a lot. Um, what is this? Uh, Lisa would have lost by more than Liz Cheney, given Lisa had 40,000 of her 66 were Democrats. Yeah, I mean. Uh, how did Mike Shower do in the votes? We'll get to that here in just a second. We can tell you. How could people vote for Kathy Geisel after she flat out lied in her campaign ads and got her ass kicked last election and now she's winning? What the hell are people thinking? Well, this is a new world, my friend. Ranked choice voting. That's what it's all about. Um scroll through here um okay all right you're living in the valley about light mike you're living in the valley now loud loud idling trucks are the norm it normally doesn't it doesn't normally doesn't happen it, it normally was just fine but this guy was deciding he was going to just park outside the house this morning and rumble 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 okay all right we are ready to go. We're about 20 seconds out. So make sure that you like and share the show, like and follow the show page. And um, let's uh, let's let's get things going on, shall we here? Um, Common Sense, Liberty-based, Free Thinking Radio. Okay. Well, we've got a chance here to uh, continue on here. One final segment. We're going to be picking it up with Mike Shower at the top of the hour. Um, oh, which reminds me that I have to. Uh, I forgot. I've got to. Uh, no, I want to. Yes, there we go. I need to. Uh, I needed to send an invite to State Senator Shower uh, for. Uh, uh, to join the show this morning so i just i had to get that 
had to get that going and out of the way. That's that's how it works. So let's continue on with our discussions here about the um, um, about uh, the election results. We were down in the uh, we were down into it with the Senate race of uh, Roger Holland and Kathy Geisel. And that race, like I said, is going to be a very difficult race to um, uh, to overcome uh, because Kathy Geisel, with the, with the effect of ranked choice voting, is essentially you've put in th- you've put three people in a two way race um, because in the previous race, Holland defeated Geisel in the primary. Therefore, she didn't run. And it was just Roger Holland versus the previous Democratic candidate. So you had this this you know, binary choice. Now with the three-way race and the ranked choice voting, this is going to be a very difficult race to overcome unless the conservatives in that district all pull together and decide to leave Kathy uh, in the lurch, which being that it's a more wealthy district and they like a lot of Kathy's top 20% policies, that may or may not happen. If Roger Holland, who's currently in third place, does not have a better showing uh, in the re- regular general election in November, we could have Kathy Geisel back in the race. Uh, but even if he moves up to the third position, or moves up from the third position, rather, into the second position, and that bashes out, uh, say, uh, Rosalind Casey or um, uh, Kathy Geisel, more than likely, uh, Casey's uh, voters probably are more likely to rank Kathy Geisel unless they're bullet voters, they will rank, um, you know, they will rank Kathy Geisel. It's going to, this is a tough race. It's a tough, tough race. Senate District F, uh, James Kaufman versus Janice Park, um, 55% for Kaufman. He's got a handy lead in that. That was 30% voter turnout in that district with 100% of the precincts reporting in. Good stuff. L.V. Gray-Jackson in District G fighting off against Marcus Saunders, 55% for L.V. Gray-Jackson, the Democrat. Marcus Saunders at 44%. Again, this is just a preview. This is a basically a poll for what's going to be coming down in November. This is the initial results from the ranked uh, from the jungle primary. This is the interesting race, which is District uh, H. This is the new uh, this is the new uh, Senate seat where Matt Clayman the Democrat and Mia Costello, the Republican, are duking it out. And this is a statistical dead heat at this point. 32% voter turnout, uh, which was a significant chunk. Um, and they are 50 and 49%, uh, 50.9%, 49.09%. This is a dead, dead heat right now. Um, and there has been almost no, that I've seen, no advertising, no movement, no campaigning really on the parts of either candidate. So it's about to get fast and furious between these two. Um, I hope that Mia, get, Mia gets uh, back, um, but uh, this is going to be a knuckle biter. I can tell you this for right now. Um, in precinct uh, Senate District I, um, you had uh, Loki Tobin and Heather Herndon. Uh, the undeclared Tobin is uh, already at 66%. That's going to be a very, very tough district to get through. This is one of the surprising ones. This is surprising to me. This is Senate District J, which is over in the Muldoon Mountain Mountain View area in Anchorage. 
where you have the incumbent. Um, well, this is part of that. This is that she's not an incumbent. She's a House member. But this was Garen Tarr, member of the House who's fought hard for her district. Um, and Forrest Dunbar, the Democrat from the Anchorage Assembly, who both filed for the same Senate race. And um, I got to be honest with you. I am shocked by these results. I thought Garen Tarr would have a much better turnout than what she's had. As of right now, Forrest Dunbar, 48% of the vote. Uh, Andrew Star, uh, Statterfield, Satterfield, the Republican, the only Republican in the race, at 33%. And then Garen Tarr at 14%, and Drew Kasson, the other Democrat, at 3.47%. Now, that's a also a much lower turnout than the other districts 18% versus 30% um in some of the uh, in like the Matt Claim and Mia Costello and the um um and in the uh, uh the the James Kaufman Patri Janice pra uh, Janice Park one that's a, it's a significantly lower uh number than what I you're seeing in some of these other races so interestingly enough they weren't able to motivate their voters to get out um uh, but Garantar only receiving 14% of the vote. That's, uh, again, a little shocking. Uh, Bill Wolikowski is got a well-head, uh, well, well, he'll lead on his Republican challenger, John Cunningham, in the Senate District K race, 54 to 45%. Not any real surprise there. This is a surprise to me. This is District L. This is District L, which is Eagle River. This is Laura Reinbold's pro former seat. They had a 31% voter turnout. So 10,000 out of 32,000 voters showed up. And this is where you have Representative Ken McCarty and Representative Kelly Merrick, who was censured by the Republican Party. This is the woman who sw switched sides, joined with the Democratic majority, uh, one of the most you know, hated by conservative um, representatives out there. Um, she just slaughtered the competition. 31% uh, of voter turnout. Kelly Merrick coming away with 52.9% of the vote. Now, remember, if this was an election, she would have outright won. There would not be a ranked choice. There would not be a second choice. She All she has to do is get 51%, and she wins, and she is at 52.96%. It's insane. Ken McCarty only coming in with 28.88%. Can you best get on the stick? Clayton Trotter, who we had on the program the other day, 6.66%. And Joe Wright, 11.55%. This is four Republicans, you know, well, three Republicans and one supposed Republican. The, the three Republicans all shooting inward. But even if you added this up together, 28.8, 11.55, and 6.66, Kelly Merrick still beats everybody, which just shocks me. I said Kelly Merrick wouldn't have a hell of a time trying to get reelected in Eagle River, and here's where we sit. It's, it's insane. Um, Shelly Hughes does well. David Wilson is doing well. Uh, Senate District O, this is the one that's the shocker for me. Uh, I got less than a minute here. Um, Mike Showers district and with a challenger, Doug Massey. And Mike Shower is losing. 
to Doug Massey with a 28% voter turnout. I'm like, what? What? Now, only 80% of the precincts reporting in, so I don't know what the story is there. But what? We're going to have to talk about that in the next one. That's what it's all about. We're going to continue our discussion up next, The Michael Duke Show. Mike Shower is going to be our guest. We will continue. You're home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share, like and share, like and follow. And uh, come on out and join us on Facebook and tell your friends and neighbors about us. Back with more right after this. Yeah, I have no idea. I have no idea. I mean, I just looked at that number and I went, what? How is that even possible? I mean, the the whole Kelly Merrick thing, I mean, I, I want to know what's going on. <laughs> I want to know what's going on. But I guess the... The bright side on this whole thing is at least we've got Charlie on um, the uh, as the fourth position for the governor's race. But, I mean, what a hot mess. What a hot, hot mess. So we'll we'll see what happens here. We'll we'll see. We'll see what goes on. Um, I got some behind the scenes stuff here yesterday over some of the shenanigans that are going on. Um, in the Republican Party amongst the business-as-usual crowd and some of the candidates that they uh, that they are supporting or putting up or running against some of the more loud conservative members like Mike Schauer. And, uh, yeah. Chris, uh, Chris, you're, you're 100% not wrong. This is what Chris just said on Twitch. What it means is that the Republican Party censure was and is weightless. I mean, he's not wrong. That's what it means. That a censure from the Republican Party means absolutely nothing. I mean, Lisa Murkowski's been censured. Uh, Click Bishop's been censored. Um, Kelly Merrick has been censured. It basically don't mean a thing. It all basically don't mean a damn thing when it's all said and done. Oh. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, hey, that was fancy. 80% now, but the order of the congressional race has not changed. Oh, uh, yeah, the it was early on in the thing. It's called Dominion, Michael. Is it the Dominion? Is that what the problem is? I don't know. I don't know at this point. Um, all right. Um, we're waiting for Shower to join up with us here in just a hot second. Uh, let me make sure that uh, I didn't miss anything. Um, email sent. Okay. All right. We should have Mike Shower joining us here in just a, a second. 
Don't lose heart. It's not over till November. I'm not losing heart. I'm just, I'm a little shocked by things that I, I mean, again, the fact that Kelly Merrick would be um, doing her thing like that is, I mean, that that's pretty insane. Um, good morning, sir. Uh, how, are, how are you? What What's going yeah. on? Good morning. I think there's going to be no video link. I think we're going to be calm, uh, radio comms on this morning. I'm having a problem like last time. So rather than fight it for the next 10 minutes. Okay. I think we'll just go old school today. Okay. Well, we can do that. That means I have to change stuff around in here, but fine. I mean, that's, you know, no big deal. Make more work for me. That's what's. Oh, uh, you're getting paid. <laughs> getting paid. Uh, am I really, though? Am I really getting paid? Um, I wonder if I'm getting paid as well. I know, really. I know. It's kind of crazy stuff. So, uh, are you all ready? Uh, you all, uh, you did you did you have a late night last night, or were, did you go to bed early and just try to wake up to this morning's madness? Yeah, I was. Uh, I was up later than I wanted to be. I'll put it that way. Yeah, <laughs> could use a little more sleep. But yeah. I got some initial indications last night. So, I, mean, I before I went to bed, I saw the the polling results. I don't know how much is in at this point, but I saw the the last ones before I went to bed. Well, the latest, yeah. the latest ones are from one twenty this morning. That's the ones that I'm working off of this morning. So, still like seventy percent or something reporting to the precincts, uh, or at least the ones I'm in. Eighty percent reporting 80%. now for you. Eighty point nine five percent, and uh, so ninety one hundred and forty seven votes out of thirty two thousand six hundred and one. Uh, the twenty eight percent voter turnout. Um, which is, I mean, I was significantly surprised by the voter turnout in many of these districts. Many of these districts had upwards of 30% voter turnout, which is, I mean, that's pretty impressive uh, for a lot of these areas. But it especially also, in a primary. Yeah, normal. especially in a primary. Uh, but I think it also shows, uh, in some cases, the effect and efforts of organized Special interests. I mean, I, I think I'll just put it that way. Organized special interest. You think the Merrick race in Eagle River doesn't show that? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, you know. Hey, come on, man. Oh, that's man. all unions, brother. That's yeah. a lot of union support, money, and time. I, that's who was walking in the parade with her in Eagle River. And yeah, I've been telling you guys this for years. Special interest runs the state. So they've got lots of money and power and manpower. So it's not surprising at yep. all, really. Well, it's going to high turnout in the others, so that's good to see at least people getting out to vote, regardless. Yeah, no, I do like to uh, I do like to see that. So, um, all right, well, we will uh, we'll kick things off here uh, in just a moment. So I'm going to put you back on hold, uh, and we'll uh, we'll let you hang out here in the virtual green room, which is you know uh, not really a green room. All right. <clears throat> Uh, let's, uh, get back into it. The Michael Duke show, common sense, liberty-based free thinking radio state Senator Mike shower is going to be our guest for the shower hour of power. And, uh, it looks like, uh, Harold owes me 10 bucks. So pay up. Um, all right. Uh, we're going to continue right now <laughs> getting things uh, squared away. The Michael Duke show, common sense, liberty-based free thinking radio. Don't forget to uh, hit that uh, hit that subscribe button if you're over on YouTube hit that subscribe button and ring the bell still looking to get a thousand subscribers uh, subscribers over there all right back with more here we go
Whoa, buddy. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the interwebs and around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. The Michael Dukes Show brought to you. Today, broadcasting live and brought to you by your friends over there at Satellite West when it comes to communications. Communications. That's what I do for a living. I talk for a living. Uh, Communications, uh, whether it's satellite, cellular, VHF, radio, um, you know, carrier pigeons, messenger notes, two tin cans and a string. The folks over there at Satellite West, they've got you covered no matter what. They can do it for you. Find out more about them at SatelliteWest.com. And thank them for sponsoring the program for today. Let's move on over. We're jumping into it now for what we like to call the Shower Hour of Power. Uh, State Senator Mike Shower, GOP State Senator for District E, which is going to be District O, uh, joins us uh, right now. And here's my surprise uh, for, I said uh, earlier, I said you'd have to stick around to figure out the surprise. Um, This is how weird this redistricting thing is. I got to the polls and fully expected to have to vote in the district race for David Wilson. And lo and behold, when I climb into the voting booth, who do I see on my ballot but State Senator Mike Shower? It's amazing. I was like, wow, they redistricted the hell out of me. I'm No wonder I had to change voting precincts. And so my representative was Kevin McCabe. My state senator was Mike Shower. And so, you know, I voted for the other guy and then it was no it was <laughs> it was good stuff i sent him a text last night and said guess who i voted for tonight um state senator mike shower joins us right now hello sir how are you i guess beating the odds for your ten dollar bet with that guy yeah exactly i you you bet you did it you showed up that was amazing um why wouldn't I? I, you just why, made, that'd be the question for him why wouldn't why wouldn't i, I? I know exactly uh, you, I mean, a full disclosure, when Mike Shower doesn't show up, it's not normally his fault. It's usually my fault that I misunderstood something or forgot that he changed it or something else. So full disclosure, if Mike Shower doesn't show up, it's usually because I didn't check in with him the previous day or two before and make sure that we were still on for whatever was going on. So that's 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 what's going on. Um, all right. Uh, so, Mike, um I had just gotten to the bad news. The bad news is is that in this uh, Senate District O uh, primary, um, you're y- y- not looking good for our boy here. Uh, what uh, what's going on? What what do you? What, I, don't, I don't know. What's going on? What, what are you mean, thinking here? What's what's I, happening? I have I have some indication. But look, we're, I've been saying this, and I told you this months ago. I said with redistricting the final lines, 
I said, Randy Rudrick is the, you know, the old guard CBC guy from the, the right. party that's still a kingmaker. Right. And I know he was a part of recruiting my opponent. Um, and look at the, how the, he redrew the lines. Randy hates myself and other, you know, conservative Republicans. He's been at war with us for anybody to tell you that. Um, he just flat out lied about me at the SEC meeting. We were there. I mean, that's the stuff you're facing. But look how he drew the lines. I mean, it's, it's clear. Delta Junction and Glen Allen voted very strongly for me last time. He cut them out of the district. Valdez is kind of a liberal town in Bill Walker's town. He left that in the district. He gave me Massey's backyard around Big Lake and KGB down there where he's grown up and his family name is big and all of his relatives and the whole thing and cut out other parts of the district. You know, so not really when you look at it kind of scientifically, honestly, it's not that surprising because they districted out parts that I had very strong support in and put in brand new parts of the district that one, I didn't know and have never campaigned in because it's new and in the backyard of somebody that was recruited to, to challenge. So honestly, you look at it, I'm not overly surprised in a way. I mean, I would have liked to have done better um, based on all the stances I've taken for you know everything that's happened. We've talked about for five years, but I guess when you look at it, you can kind of see it. And I've looked at some of the precinct. I'm like, you know, no surprise, you know, big Lake, you know, down KGB, he did well, um, better than I did, but that's not a surprise, right? I mean, that's brand new. A lot of people down there didn't even know I was running because it's a new part of the district trying to target it. So, yeah, I guess really when you look at it from a numbers perspective, there's still some districts to report in, you know, 20%. We'll see how those go. Um, some of the areas I was more aligned with, you know, or known about like Sutton and, you know, a few others, I did better, you know, so that's not necessarily a surprise either. Right. Uh, but, you know, talk about how it's going, my friend. Well, you look, man, when you got, when you're going against the, 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 the small town cobble, it's hard. It's, you're going to, it's going to be a tough battle because, no, you know, right. like I've been telling you for months, I mean, I've got people that are, you know, I got a current mayor and a former mayor of Wasilla. You know, one of them's lying flat out about me. We've had to call them out. And the other one's got the long knives out, you know, knife the long knives, you know, because they want their, their their guy. I mean, and I've got some certain business interests up here doing the same thing. That's going to happen. Like they see opportunity to get things for themselves. Um, and, and the family name and friends and relationships is that small town, southern Alabama. I was sitting there with a guy yesterday at a, at a luncheon and he was talking about the the Wasilla tribe or something he called it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what it is, man. Family names go a long way and, and blood and that kind of stuff. So, you know, reality from a lot of people's perspectives, I'm still an outsider, right? Right. I didn't grow up right. here. I wasn't born here. I was some outside military guy. And, you know, so they're going to stick with their, you know, family name or the relatives or whatever. So I don't know. Hard I mean, to tell. You know, maybe I'm too conservative for this district. No. Well, no, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, Kevin uh, mentions in the chat room that Anderson, Clear, and Healy have not reported yet. That's part of that 20% missing from the vote. And so I think that that, that number is going to move a bit. Um, but And the reason that I said the surprise that, uh, I mean, I was just trying to point out that, like I said, even I – who am pretty plugged in and trying to stay abreast of everything that's going on, even I was shocked to discover that you were now my senator. I had no idea. I just had no indication or inkling earlier on that those changes had been made. And I try, I mean, it's what I kind of do. I, I, I was really a little abashed that somehow I didn't know that I was now in your district. Um, and I think a lot of people are kind of feeling that way. They're looking at this, and I think, again, you're right. It was part of the finagling to say, well, I don't know this guy, but I do know this other name, so I'll vote for the other name kind of thing. 
Um, and that's, uh, you know, it, it's that's, that's what I mean. I said, scientifically, yeah. honestly, when you think about it, I mean, you know, that's a family name. They may, not, they may not even know Massey himself that much, but they know the family name because his mom's been down there for many decades. His dad was a well-known trooper that was well-liked. So, you know, when you go to a new district, they don't necessarily know who I am, haven't campaigned, haven't walked doors because it's all new, you know, and that's not a small chunk of the district down there. I mean, Big Lake is a big populated, you know, growing area. That's why Kevin McCabe, they had to break it up because his, I think he had 24,000 something in this district and it's supposed to be 18 and there were other districts with 15 or 16,000. That's how much the imbalance in the last 10 years from the last census. So like I said, when you think about it, you go, well, you know, a lot of people don't know who I am new district. A lot of people know the Massey name. So there's people that have no idea and they see Massey go, well, Massey must be okay. He's Republicans should be fine. They probably haven't looked at his positions on things like the PFD and defined benefits and bigger government. And the fact he's a state employee, his entire, his entire life and where his priorities are going to lie. That's the reality of it. Right. I mean, you got to reach those people and we'll try, but like you said, I mean, a lot of people just go to the ballot, whether they look at R or a D. Right. right. And they just right. vote on that. They have no research. No, well, it's an R and I'm an R or I'm a D. So that's what I'm going to vote for. Or like you said, in an area where his name is um, familiar, then they're going to likely look at the familiar name and go, well, I, I kind of know that family name. So I'm going to go with that one because I don't know this other guy. And that's right. not, that's not, I mean, that's, that happens a lot for people's voting because they don't really look at, I mean, how many people really look at a flyer <laughs> that shows up in the mail? Usually it goes into the fire starter, right? You know, for, that kind of stuff and how many people really watch your show or any of the other radio programs or Facebook. I mean, there's a very select crowd of people on your show and others that are very active and they pay attention, but that Mike, we both know is a small po- you know, portion of the population. It is. I mean, even with a good voter turnout hitting 30%, yeah, 30%, but 30% out of, you know, the entire voting population, that's still a small number. Right. And within that, those that are really active and knowledgeable, is a much smaller number and that's just reality. So, yeah. Yeah. well, I, I gotta, you know, again, I, it, this is not the end all be all. I mean, we've still got two and a half months left of the race now, and this is where the rubber is really going to meet the road. And hopefully this opened up some eyes to some voters who could say, well, now I got to figure out, I didn't even know I was voting for a new, new candidate. Now I got to go out and figure out who, you know, who is who and what does Mike stand for and what does Mike shower stand for? Um, as the incumbent and everything else. So, and we're seeing this in many of the races. There were some surprising races out there. This Roger Holland, Kathy Geisel race. Have you, uh, what's your thoughts on that? Have you, you taken a look at the, the, the numbers there? I, I did. Yeah. Like I said, I've looked at what came out last night. So, you know, it's, it's probably changed a little bit, but not much. I mean, apparently listening to you a little bit ago. So that's one of those, you know, I go, well, you said it probably most succinctly. If we had the traditional system and we didn't have ranked choice voting, then Roger would probably win because it would be Roger versus Geisel and a, you know, probably, well, there'd be a Democrat right in that race. And so, you know, Roger would probably win because Geisel is really not that well liked, but I think, you know, she's been very active and really wants this back and is out there knocking on doors and probably selling herself as a bit moderate to people. Um, and if anybody is paying attention to look at her record and kind of the big government person, right, anti-PFD, wealthier district, she's going to win some of those votes back. And, of course, Roger hasn't, you know, made his big push yet, you know, so we'll see how it goes in the district. But the reality, Mike, for a lot of these is these candidates wouldn't have a chance, Giesel, Murkowski, many others, if this was not ranked choice voting. Right. Because they would right. not be going on to the general. The reality is almost all these races have four or less 
which means every single person, if they get one vote, is going on to the general. And then, you know, then it gets all down to, like we said, the algorithm. How's this going to work out for when somebody drops out in round two? Because some races like mine, well, it's going to be over the night of the election because it's going to be one or the other. There's not a, a second round. Right. But then you get into, well, okay, what's it going to be? Is it going to be Roger with the most conservative votes on election night? And then, you know, the Democrat falls out without enough and some of those votes go to Geisel, Do some go to Roger. So this is where it gets into that. We're all going to be sitting there waiting on all the absentee ballots to come in and the algorithm in the second and third round, depending on the race you know, to see who's really going to win. So it's, this is an unknown, Mike, this, this ranked choice voting has thrown a huge monkey wrench. You know, same thing with Murkowski. She would probably not come back without this. Um, but oh, with she definitely, voting, she's got a clear path. Yeah, no, I think she, she definitely would have fallen out in the primary. I mean, there's, I think there was no chance of her actually making it in the primary. Uh, and that was known. I mean, they've admitted that was part of this Project Veritas thing where they oh, said yeah. they knew that there was no chance she'd make it past the primary. You That's that why they pushed that. Yeah. Right. Before that. I mean, Scott Kendall last others were talking about they, they did it for that reason. So that's, this is not a surprise to anybody unless you haven't been paying attention at the, all. The Kelly Merrick race, again, was another one that, uh, uh, although I thought it would be close, I didn't think that she would be in a majority position. Uh, I thought it would be closer just because, again, of the censure and kind of the overall feeling in the uh, um, in the Eagle River area, they had a 31% voter turnout, and she still came away with almost 53% of the vote. And at some point, I got to start asking questions of who's helping who here. Uh, you got three Republicans and Kelly Merrick. She says she's a Republican, but you got three other Republicans. At what point do Clayton Trotter and Joe Wright say, "Oof, we don't really want, uh, we really don't want to face it now." I mean, hopefully now, Mike, yeah. the answer is just like what happened in the, the mayor's race when Mike Robbins did the right thing, backed out. He said, you know what? Everybody that voted for me and supported me, give all your support to Dave because we don't want a mayor Dunbar. What Republicans and conservatives around the state should be doing right now, if there's three or more people, three or four in that race um, and the polling didn't look great, they ought to all be looking at this and going, you know what? It's time for me to do the right thing step out, ask everybody to help the one that was winning and got the most votes and get behind them with money and the people that supported them. That's how we're going to win some of these. Otherwise, we're going to lose some, Mike. Can you imagine? I mean, just think about this. Imagine a Senate instead, and I'm talking about things especially like for hopefully some conservative values, right? Protecting the PFD, you know you know how that's going to play out. But imagine a Senate that was um, Massey, Giesel, and Merrick as opposed to Shower, Holland, and McCarty. Shower Holland McCarty all supported the PFD, voted for it, you know, where those things go. Massey himself has said that he only supports the PFD after government is, is funded. So he's a he's kind of a Natasha von Emhoff type, right? He's like, you know, government's fund first, whatever over. PFD we can afford. That's right. his that's his own statements. I'm not just you know throwing dirt. That's that's what he said. But that that's what Diesel already said, we know it. And Merrick has proven that, that she's the same way. So there goes the balance of the Senate, my friend. So people looking at it going, imagine the Senate with those three names as opposed to the first three. And what that's going to look like with a Stedman, Stevens, and a Bishop and a bunch of Democrats that are government first. What do you think is going to happen in the Senate? Yeah. I mean, with these races. So Republicans and conservatives ought to be thinking real hard about talking to people and going, you need to get it down to two people. And throw all your weight behind the one that did the best and, and hopefully get that person across the finish line. Um, you know, in races like mine where there's two, well, people make your choice. <laughs> you may not like the person's uh, positions, but you better look real carefully because they're different. And there's real, and we can talk about the next segment. I know you're about to run out of time. My internal clock is ticking away. 
but um, it's there's some interesting races, and some of these have significant power balance shifts that will go towards those that are bigger government types or you know government first or anti-PFD away from where the people are first. And this, yep. a lot of these races were surprising and. Yeah, I've got some concerns. We'll we'll talk. Let's talk about uh, the races that you're concerned about specifically here, uh, including your own. Uh, On the other side, we're going to take a quick break. The Michael Duke Show continues. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break right now. Mike Schauer is our guest. Um, Um... Maybe pro-PFD voters are disparaged, or maybe I think he meant discouraged, after the Dunleavy 50-50 surrender. Um, And Chris says, maybe Mike can explain how Kelly Merritt carries 52% with a party censure. Uh, I think you did a little bit earlier, but what's your take on that, Mike? I mean, how does she carry a party censure, the the switching sides, the whole deal— how does she carry 52% uh, with that, in your opinion? Well, it doesn't matter. Chris is going to yell at me no matter what. That's what he's always done. So, okay. Um, that's just, but, but I can't be right. So there's always those. But, okay. Um, uh, I will tell you, Mike, I go back to what Kelly has, the power of the unions behind her. If you think that the unions do not get out the vote, and those unions do not tell their people who to vote for and pull out that manpower, you're a fool. Because they have tremendous power in the state. We have been saying this, you and I, for years discussing this on this program. And I know Chris pays attention to others, and there's no way he doesn't know that at this point. That that has a big influence on the outcome of those elections because unions drive their people into vote. And in a heavy union district, you see those results. We always have. There's nothing new or surprising about that. Nothing new under the sun. And Kelly has one of the most powerful union bosses and the state as her husband. I watched them in the Eagle River Parade. It was all union people marching with her. So, yeah, that's not that surprising to me when you have low voter turnout. Relatively speaking, I'm talking to the total numbers of people, right? You know, 30% out of 100. Right. It's not that many people. And when unions are going to drive up their folks to get in there, because if you don't have Kelly, we're all going to lose our jobs, which is kind of the fear mongering, just like about the Constitutional Convention is all fear. Well, they get them out, they go vote. And the same thing with teachers, right? Oh, my gosh, they're all going to lose their jobs and pink slips. Uh, the union gets them all scared. They all show up and vote, and they find that candidate's going to make sure that government is funded, fully funded, you know, over everything else. That's kind of how it works. It's not really that surprising to me um, to see those kind of numbers when, when that happens. So, I mean, people can scoff at it and say, how do they get those votes? That's probably the biggest part of it, um, you know, and Ken probably got the part of it and the others that, you know, didn't buy into that, you know, or they're not really the union types. So you add those others up and go, well, that tells you how many union people are there and how they got involved. Right. Right. So, no, this is a, this is an, it definitely, um, this is an interesting conundrum. The whole Randy Rudrick thing. Um, I mean, I can't see why the Republican party keeps bringing it. I mean, he just keeps, he's like a bad penny. He just keeps turning up. I mean, yeah. uh, this is 15 he's years spent, ago. Mike, had he's all been doing this for decades. Yeah. He's been doing it. 
for decades. He knows the data. He knows how to draw the lines and how to get rid of people that he doesn't like. He's been doing this forever. That's why you got to watch what he does. He knows what he's doing. I mean, in a way, I, I really respect him because he can play that game and he does it all behind the scenes by drawing lines and doing things and plays the long game. No surprise. Yeah, kind of really spooky stuff. This is all about the unions, Donna Ardwin says. Um, and I would agree. I mean, that's really, if you look at it in the long term and we talk about people who are pro-government, you know, versus private sector, kind of the, 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 you know, the standard players that we know, the business as usual crowd. It really is all about protecting that government spend, which in turn is about protecting the unions and the corporate uh, cronies, you know, the, the businesses that are dependent on that government lucre to, to remain uh, in business, who've built their business model around that government spending. It's, that's what it's about. It's about the unions and the I corporates. I bet you. I bet you, Mike, if you look at us, so 100 percent of eligible voters in Merrick's district and McCarty's district, 100 percent of eligible voters, what Kelly got was about 50 percent or 15 percent of that of the population. Right. I bet you 15 percent of the population, at least that many or more are union members. So when you again look at it scientifically, is it really that hard to believe that the unions spin up all their support and they they blast everybody with emails and flyers and at work and say, get out and vote. It's got to be Merrick or else we're all going to lose. Is it really that hard to believe that she can get 15% of the population out of 100% of eligible voters when probably at least that many are union members? Well, I'll be probably honest. More. I thought she had a significant I, – I mean, I, I knew she would have a significant amount of support from the special interests. I just didn't expect it to be such a high percentage. That was my shock. But, in, it's, in, but in, it's not. That's the yeah, point. Gotta, when you think gotta, about the numbers, hold it's 15%. got to go. Hold the line. Don't All go right. anywhere. Just, just, just pie hole. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. All right, uh, we're back. Uh, continuing now with Mike Shower, election results and coverage. Uh, some interesting things coming out of this uh, election, the primary. And, of course, remember, the primary for all the state legislative races are essentially, they. it means nothing, but it is kind of like polling. It kind of gives you a, a, a feel for what's happening and where the races are going to be bitter and Mike, uh, you said you're watching some races that you're concerned about. I would say, including your own, and um, and and I could see that. I could see where these bitter lines are now being drawn between uh, specifically the business as usual Republican crowd and the more conservative. This really is kind of highlighting some of those cracks in the facade of the Republican Party, and uh, where you've got people like uh, uh, you know Kelly Merrick and others. Uh, the the new candidate being thrown against you, Massey, and all this kind of stuff. Um, and you're concerned about some of these other races as well. So why don't you tell me which races that you've been looking at from yesterday's results that have got you a little bit concerned? Well, I mean, like I said, we looked at, uh, you know, what's happening. We're just discussing on the break. We can discuss it on the radio, you know, in the race in Eagle River. And when you go, oh, my goodness, Merrick got 52% of the vote, roughly, you know, and some people in the program were asking, well, you know, explain how that can happen. It's really not that hard when you scientifically look at the numbers and think about it, right? I mean, 100% of eligible voters 
15% is roughly what Merritt got. Out of 100% of the eligible voters, she got about 15% based on who actually showed up and voted. I can almost guarantee you, Mike, there are more than 15% of the voters that are eligible in Eagle River are union members, probably a good bit higher than that. So if you think for one second that, you know, Merrick's husband, who is one of the biggest union bosses in the state and all the other unions that are on board saying we need to get her there so that we, you know, don't lose because they always threaten them. You're going to lose your jobs. Bad things are going to happen if you don't put in this candidate. Look, they send out emails and they send out flyers and they tell their people at work, get out and vote. Here's who you need to vote for. Is it really hard to believe that the unions can gin up 15 percent of the voters to go vote for this person and get who they want in office? Based on the historical numbers, not really. That that makes perfect sense to me when you really think about it. And probably all the other three Republicans combined were probably mostly all the votes that weren't union that showed up. And like you said, because we do this to ourselves, you know, we got three other Republicans splitting the vote. And you got one that's highly union-backed and can get out the vote. That's not hard to really see the how and the why. I mean, honestly, it's not. So, you know, you kind of look at that and take it in aggregate and go, well, that's that's something that can play out. And not overly surprising. So, you know, hey, uh, that's one. Roger Holland's race with Diesel is concerning. And that's probably a ranked choice voting thing, right? If we didn't have right, that, right. some people like Murkowski and Diesel probably would not have a path at all, much less a path to victory. Um, you know, you can look at the Palin, Nick, Begich, uh, uh, Peltola race. With Begich and Palin kind of fighting each other and splitting votes, there's a clear path for a Democrat that otherwise wouldn't even have a chance of winning, you know, in there. So, Ranked choice voting, how the unions play into it, how many people actually show up and vote, all of those things combined. Um, you know, honestly, when a lot of these you look at them, it's not that surprising. And like I told people, Mike, why one of the reasons I crossed the Rubicon into supporting a constitutional convention, look at the makeup of the state. It is changing. The, ch- the state was much more red, you know, 10 years ago because of the blue collar workers, oil and gas field, all the stuff that was here, military, et cetera. And who's leaving the state are many of those people going to greener pastures and states where there's a strong economy. And they're leaving Alaska. And who's coming up here are a lot of people from the left coast, California, Oregon, Washington. And many of them are bringing those same ideologies and things up to Alaska. So the population is slowly changing. Um, and that's not um, a trend that's going to you know, be in the favor of conservatives or those that want a smaller government kind of stuff either. So. Well, you have to look at all these things in aggregate, and there are changes afoot, my friend. Well, and, and what's interesting is, I mean, these are numbers, some of these numbers uh, I've been throwing around for years. Uh, when you look at the overall makeup of the state, the uh, the employment makeup, and you realize that a good 50-plus percent of employees in the state are employed by government at some level, state, local, borough, um, uh, federal, um, or are, again, subsidiaries, some kind of corporate subsidiaries of government because of the way their contracts work, and they're, they're basically dependent on that. And you're, now you're talking about 50, 54, 56% of people who are directly beholden to government spend for their paycheck. Is it surprising that we're going more purple? Is it surprising that we're sliding more towards the blue because they know where the hand that feeds them is? And is that something that, that people should be paying more ca- uh, attention to? Is it surprising that Merrick, in that case, to answer Chris's question, could get 15% of the vote overall in aggregate? Not really. I'm not surprised at all. I mean, I'm hopeful. I I would be hopeful we could do better, but obviously maybe not, Mike. I mean, maybe we're going to become just a blue state with a bunch of union people in control of it. It's certainly happened all over the country. 
usually the result down the road doesn't go well, but people may not be thinking that far in advance. Right. So, you know, oh, well, they're thinking with their wallet book until, you know, the things crash. I don't, I don't know. That's hard to tell. I mean, look, the guy that my opponent, Massey, he's a big union guy, Mike. I mean, who's to say he's not getting a lot of support there? I guarantee that he is. He was a union guy all of his time and, and while he was a trooper and he was a president of the union. He's getting union right. support, taking union money. Don't think for a second that doesn't matter with getting out the boat and doing things. I guarantee you they're probably putting out flyers for him and doing stuff. Yeah. So that affects races. I, I'm not anti-union. I'm in a union, but he's got big union support. So, of course, he's going to get that as a well, former union it, boss and that stuff. Yeah, well, especially right. uh, government unions. That's what we're talking about, you know, that are doing a lot of the heavy lifting around here. Um, yes. I, I want to look at some of the other races, some of the races that I didn't get to in my mentions. Um, some interesting things are happening up in the interior. Mayor Jim Matherly is running against Scott Kawasaki. There's only a 2% difference between the two of them right now. And there's a third Republican in the race who's pulling 6%. So Jim Matherly has got a pretty good shot here of, uh, of turning that out. That could change the makeup of the Senate. But again, this could then be offset by the Kathy Geisel thing. We've got, I mean, there's really no way of kind of uh, telling what's happening in that regard. In District Q, which used to be District B, uh, where Rob Myers is, he's got a healthy lead. 64% of the vote there. Um, I think he's got a pretty good shot at retaining his seat at this point. Yeah, Again, he'll go back. Yeah, yeah this is fine. just he'll the polling. Um, Click Bishop. 56%. Uh, Elijah Verhagen and uh, Burt Williams are the two candidates running against him. Now, Elijah has pulled almost 26%. He's got a heavy lift there. I mean, you've got uh, Click Bishop again. We were just talking about the unions. Click Bishop, a union animal. He's got a lot of support. He is, again, the business as usual, co-chair of finance, <clears throat> give you the leftover PFD crowd. Any thoughts on that race? No, I, I don't see, honestly, that is Click Bishop's race to lose. I looked at his APOC report, Mike. He has got a ton of money. Yep, most of it's union. I got it. He's going to get union support for manpower and help. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. I don't know in a lot of these cases and a lot of these races how you're going to beat that because an average person, you know, Elijah Verhagen, how's he going to beat that kind of money? How are you going to beat that kind of stuff door to door? And if, again, I have to keep pointing it out, if multiple Republicans are going to stay in the races and not put all their support behind one person, it makes it almost impossible because we're not back to just a primary that takes us to a general with just a Republican and a Democrat where we can all get behind that one person. Right. You're going to have multiple candidates in this one, just like a primary before that we would shoot our, this is like in reverse, right? It used to be, we had too many Republicans in the primary. We split the vote and we got a candidate in the general election that maybe wasn't our most conservative or the one we preferred. Now it's the reverse of that. Now you're going to have all these people going to the general election that don't get kicked out of the primary. So now you're going to have ourselves shooting the foot and splitting votes, you know, and who knows the end results of because how many people are going to put the right person in second place and third place. I mean, you get all this other stuff. So it's kind of in a way, a little bit of a reversal of the system we had before. Right. You're going to have all these people splitting the votes in the general election and who knows how it's going to play out. So that's a big part of this too. But yeah, I don't see very difficult barring an October surprise for click Bishop to lose that race. I mean, it just doesn't right. seem all that possible with the current numbers and support and money and that kind of stuff. So yeah, that one, you In know. interesting results, interesting results in district S out in the uh, Bush, uh, the Bethel area, uh, Quinnahawk and, and uh, Bethel, <laughs> Willie Keppel, a uh, listener to the program, veterans party candidate, 43% uh, versus Lyman Hoffman's 56. Now, that's still a heavy lift, but they only had a just under 9% turnout. Uh, lots of rain, hunting season, et cetera, et cetera. 
it'll be interesting to see what that looks at. But that's a pretty good, hefty return for somebody who's running against an incumbent, a longtime incumbent. 43% still doable since it's a two-way race. And with such a low voter turnout, that might turn out to the good. I don't know, man. Let me tell you how confident Hoffman is. I asked him a couple of years ago about filing. He said, oh, yeah, I file every time. He's like, people will vote for me. I don't have to do anything. I'll be in that seat until I die if I want to be. So that gives you his level of confidence in going back. Yeah. <laughs> so just so you know. But it is it is an interesting, anyway, just that number of 43%, I think, is a pretty interesting vote. Uh, Dan, That's a lot. Yeah, no no doubt. I'm not saying, I'm just saying it's when you, I'm only saying not that things can't change, only that's how confident Hoffman is. He's like, you know, I'll just yeah. have that seat until I die. So, you know, kind of thing. So. Dan Ortiz uh, uh, in the House District 1, 51%. He's going to, I think he's going back. There's no problem there. Uh, Kenny yeah. Scaffelstat and uh, Rebecca Hemshoot in District 2, that's a 54 to 45% race. I'm not sure how uh, Scaffoldstat is going to be able to pull that out. Um, we'll have to see what that looks like. Uh, Andy Story's unopposed. Sarah Hannon, 82%. She's going back. The Stutes race, District 5, Kodiak. Ben Vincent and Louise Stutes. Two Republicans, 63% for Louise Stutes. I just... Addie's Louise. How do we, how do we, this is a 21% voter turnout. So it wasn't a great turnout, but um, I mean, are people, is it just status quo? Is that it? People just look and they're comfortable and they're not paying attention and it's just status quo. Status quo. They know the name. We talked about 25 minutes ago. They know the name. They're comfortable with it. They don't know the other person. And let's be honest, Mike, some of these districts, we've talked about this on the program before, as much as you have a lot of conservatives and independents and libertarians listening to this program, vote them out, cut the budget, all the stuff you hear. Some people in a lot of these districts aren't interested in that. They keep sending back people that never do that. They keep sending back people that, you know, vote for bigger budgets and bigger government that take the PFD and they keep sending them back. So you can say it all you want and jump up and down. But this is what I tell people. The districts are not all the same. Right. They're not sending the same people back. Look, Mike, I mean, I'm I'm like one of the staunchest PFD guys and, and all the stuff that's been happening, election integrity, judicial reform. And right now, a big government, big union guy is winning. Yeah. So and I have one of the more. Con- well, I had at least. Thank you, Randy Rudrick. One of the more <laughs> conservative districts in the state. Right. So let's sit here and take a little intellectual honesty and go, maybe. Some of these districts and some of the people in Alaska really aren't interested in a more conservative Republican. Let's, you know, let's, they're going to send a moderate one or a Democrat because that, my friend, is what is happening. Let's celebrate one uh, district that I think is turning out going to be turning out OK. District 6, which is a former District 30 down in the peninsula. Uh, Sarah uh, or 31, I guess, Sarah Vance uh, down in the lower peninsula. Um 54 percent, 33 point, almost a 34 percent voter turnout. Uh, she's 54 percent to the uh, Democrat, well, I guess, nonpartisan uh, challenger. Democrat. Yeah, it's a Democrat. 37 percent. So, I mean, at no, least, it is. I mean, I know this background. That's what I mean. We know yeah. this one. It's a Democrat. They just yep. put nonpartisan or undeclared because somehow they are independent because they think somehow that's going to protect exactly. the real identity. I got it. It's a Democrat. Yeah. So. so anyway, some good news in that in that for it. And I think, again, we've got it. And what's weird is that we've got some of these districts where it seems like it's a little schizophrenic. They've got huge support for the incumbent. 
um, that are conservatives, uh, and yet in other districts, it's, and we're going to hit on that one here on the other side. So hold the line. Don't. I know you were going to take a breath. I just muted you because hold the line. I'm up against the break. We're going to continue. Uh, we've got Mike Shower, our guest, and we're going to continue this discussion on the outcomes, current outcomes of the elections. We'll be back with more. The Michael Duke Show continues. You're home for common sense, liberty-based, free thinking radio. Don't go anywhere. Your mental suppository. The Michael Duke Show. Okay. Mike took a big breath. I know he's going to jump right into that with both feet. Um, and uh, you're... You could feel free, Mike, to uh, comment now or hold it for after the break. Whatever you want to do, I'm okay with that. But, um, yeah, <laughs> some some interesting, interesting stuff to say the least uh, as we as we look at this. Let me go back to the comments while you're talking. Well, that's here. funny. Michelle was just reading one to me from James, and you know, well, if you hadn't actively turned your back on Republicans and Pat Martin and Jerry McClure and others actively supported you, then maybe. You would be doing better right now, Mike. So my question is, you'd rather have big government, big union, anti-PFD, Massey? That's your that's your goal then? You'd rather right. have that? I guess maybe the answer for some of them is yes. So, you know, sit there and pick your poison, my friend. So, you know, you can say that. But again, I would ask you, James, who put in the amendment for a statutory PFD this year? Who's the one working on election integrity? You know, have and most of the budgets I voted against because I didn't have statutory BFD. I've had tons of amendments to cut it. So you think you're going to get that from the other guy? You can say that all day long, but the yeah. reality is at the end of the day, you better look at policies before you make the decision. Because I guarantee the people saying that stuff and angry about I might have done this or that. What do they think? Where is their position going to be a year from now when they watch that guy vote against the PFD? How do you think it's going to play out? They yeah. watch him do stuff like for a defined benefit plan. That's going to bankrupt the state and nobody touches election integrity or judicial reform. So, you know, hey, I got it, Mike. Say what you want. Get angry how you want. But, you know, some of these people, um, you know, sometimes it's like cutting off your nose to spite your face. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I agree uh, 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 totally with that. Um, All right. I got to correct something here just so so James doesn't get mad at me. That might have been directed at McCabe, not me. Yeah, that's what he said. (laughs) He said the comment was directed at McCabe, not sorry. I apologize. Uh, I admit where I'm wrong. But, and I'm glad James said it regardless, because it still brings up the point that some people are going to get angry about one thing or another, and then you have to ask the question. I'd ask the same thing with McCabe. Do you think Doyle Holmes is going to be a big you know, proponent of the PFD and other stuff? I've seen his positions. He, he said before you, oh, yeah, I'll join a binding caucus. I don't care. Right. My point is, Mike, when you look at some of these candidates, you better be drilling down on them on what their position is and what they're okay. Yeah, fine. <laughs> Okay. Fine, choking on my own spittle this morning. Making sure we didn't lose the host. Yeah, that? no. So, James, fun. I apologize. I admit it. I'm wrong. I apologize. I took that the wrong way. But I, it's a good point to bring up that people need to be very careful and look at it. And they may be mad at their current incumbent for one thing or the other. But you better look at the aggregate because if you are angry about a couple things, look at the whole picture and don't send somebody else that's going to be far worse. You right. know, and, and I hate that lesser of two evils. But, you know, you look at people that, you go, well, I don't like that he did this. Well, are you going to like the other one that's going to do three times as many things worse than that or things you don't agree with? So 
I got it, brother. I, I hear well, you, and I know people are upset, but, boy, we better think really carefully because some of these people that seem to be winning are on the cusp of it, um, especially in the districts they're in. They, they're not going to represent them well in line with mo- what most of the people want. Well, they I, represent the top 20 real well, but not the average. Well, us. we need to remember, too, and again, this primary is really just a it, it's a it's a pull, right? I mean, it's a snapshot of where we're at this very second. It's not set in stone. We still got until the November election, but it definitely shows us where work needs to be done, right? I mean, it definitely shows you where the work of the process needs to be uh you know needs to where the focus needs to be yeah well you know i I will bring up the mccabe brace because that the comment was made and you know the funny thing is he's actually doing pretty good in his district right so (laughs) and that's a part of the district i'm not new district name recognition all the stuff we talked about but you know that's that's interesting because he's actually doing all right you know looking at the numbers from last night so because i know you're going through the house races anyway right um, well, uh, and I'll jump ahead real quick just here so that folks can, uh, boy, I got to scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. It seems like um, I'll get down to that one here in just a second. And uh, we'll look, give, I mean, we'll give hopes. If, that if, one. Go ahead. If Harold, who normally takes me to task and has harassed me nonstop, you know, about position stuff, fine. That's his right. If Harold is saying, you know, Mike needs to go back to Juno when you just support him. That kind of gives you an idea where things are right now. Right. <laughs> and he exactly. said that earlier. Yeah, so. no, I saw that. I saw that come through earlier. Uh, yeah, I mean, when you look at uh, District uh, 30, which is the new, was the District 8, District 30, this is the McCabe uh, race for Kevin, who's in the chat room right now. 50%. 50%. The next one is Doyle Holmes, again, who uh, is definitely not a more conservative, pro-PFD kind of candidate. He's 30%. And then you've got Joy Mendiola, who is a Democrat, which uh, Kevin pointed out earlier, doesn't have a website, hasn't done APOC reporting, hasn't it has no social media presence, is nothing but basically a name on a piece of paper, garnering 19% of the vote. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that race pulls out. But Kevin right now doing pretty good at 50 plus percent of the vote. Um, even with all the hatred and arrows and slings being thrown at him by some of the kind of uh, faculty members that are out there with who are a little bit more upset about this, but and think about I, that number, Mike. Ten seconds. Ding, if the ding goes off. Kevin, that Democrat with doing nothing because it had a D before their name, people just voted for. Yep, him. exactly, exactly. All right, we're jumping back into it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. All right, we're continuing now. Mike Showers, our guest. Uh, we skipped a little bit ahead because we were talking about uh, my representative as well, Kevin McCabe, uh, in District 30, which used to be District 8. Um, and he is uh, uh, he's doing pretty well, 50% of the vote, 50.45% of the vote, with Re- Republican Doyle Holmes coming in at 29.8. And surprisingly, the Democratic candidate, uh, uh, Joy Mendiola, who has basically got no no campaigning, no presence, no APOC reporting, uh, coming in at almost 20%, 19.73%. So that that's going to be an interesting race for sure. But uh, we're getting back into it, some of the discussions with Mike Schauer, our guest candidate uh, and uh, current senator and candidate for District 
uh, O now. So uh, let's see. We left off with uh, we left off with uh, um, a House District. Uh, I think uh, I think we were at nine. No, we were at seven uh, because that is the one of the, another one of the races that was surprising to me. Ron Gillum, one of the most conservative members of the. Uh, uh, of the House facing a Republican challenger, and this is another, I think, Randy Rudrick creation of Justin Ruffridge. Um, 55.9% for Ruffridge and 44% for Ron Gillum. Um, well, uh, interesting to say the least, Mike. Yeah, and I don't know how much Ron has done up until this point, so hopefully he's holding his, you know, keeping his powder dry, I guess. Um, but yeah, definitely drawing lines, but yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Ron had my understanding. He's hadn't done a whole lot yet. So yeah, maybe if he's going to ramp it up now and was waiting to see where the primary went and how much money to spend or something. I know there's a few that were doing that. So maybe that's what's going on there. I guess we'll see over the next few months how it plays out. Hard yeah. to tell on that one. Exactly. Uh, Ben Carpenter, of course, taking in a hundred percent of his 33% of the vote there at the turnout with a hundred percent all by himself. Laddie Shaw, definitely, I think, going to be uh, doing well. 41% voter turnout was one of the highest turnouts in the election um, with a 50, almost 56% of the vote versus uh, his opponent. Um, <clears throat> Craig Johnson taking 50% in uh, District 10 uh, over um, Democrats, uh, Sue Levy and uh, uh, Carolyn Storm. Uh, and Michael Insulaco. Uh, so uh, again, as that kind of ramps down, what'll be interesting is if when we get to the very end, will he pull enough votes? I think Insulaco's votes, uh, the Libertarian will probably fall in his direction, which would put him over the top at that point as well. Um, so that's one of the races that I'm going to be watching. Um, we got Ross Beeling and Julie Colombe and Walter Featherly in House District 11 up in Anchorage. 45% of the votes right now for Julie Colombe, and I don't really know much about her. Any thoughts on that one? Are you following that at all? I am kind of surprised. She, I just met her at a fundraiser last week, so I don't really know much about that race in particular or the people so much. So, uh, But like I said, some of these are kind of surprising. I guess yeah. it just depends on the flavor of the district. But to go back to it, it shows us how different some districts are yeah. from what we think it ought to be. So that was a little surprising to me just based on name recognition. But, hey, House, I don't know. House District 12 is, of course, Calvin Schrege, the nonpartisan who's a Democrat. I mean, come on, yeah, people. I know, he is. Uh, and Jay McDonald, 56 to 43. Uh, McDonald, if he's going to make it, has got a lot of work to do in there. Uh, and uh, it's it's definitely going to be uh, – um, a race to the finish on that. Um, but we'll see since there's only two of them, this is definitely Shreggy's uh, race to lose at this point, uh, since he's got the incumbency on top of it. Um, but we'll see, <clears throat> we'll see where that one goes. Um, district 13, this was one of the ones that I've been watching because this is Andy Josephson, uh, the Democrat, uh, and Kathy Hensley, the Republican, who's brand new. She just came out of her race for the assembly, which she lost. But with a 22% voter turnout, she actually is edging out Andy Josephson, um, but 48 to 45%. Uh, the spoiler in the race, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but the third party is Timothy Hewitt, who is the Alaska Independence Party candidate, with 6% of the vote. Um, I would think, Mike, that most AIP members, if they were going to rank, would probably rank a Republican before a Democrat. This is looking uh, actually surprisingly good for Kathy. 
Well, one would hope. And remember, Mike, I go back to, I've been telling you tracking the races and, you know, watching some of the data. I believe the House is probably going to be pretty strong in Republican hands. I, I do with Republicans that are going to be, you know, like, you know, in line with the actual Republican values. So I, it's kind of breaking the way I thought it would, just generally speaking, not every race, but kind of, you know, hey, yeah. the House was looking to do pretty well. The Senate, different story, but I've been telling you that for months too, yeah. that I have a lot of concerns about the ability to hold the Senate, how it's going to play out. So I'm not overly surprised, and Kathy's been campaigning hard, and Josephson is pretty hard left. So, you know, maybe that's not selling well in that district right yeah, now. Yeah, possibly. Uh, district 15, Tom McKay, 46% to Denny Wells, 42%, uh, with another Republican pulling about 11 and a half. So, again, also looking uh, kind of in the same vein for Tom McKay. If that holds true and you end up with a third round of votes, uh, you would assume that the Republican votes would break for McKay. Uh, so that looks like that's a pretty good one for him. Uh, then we get into the whole Liz Vasquez and uh, Jennifer Armstrong race in District 16. Liz uh, not pulling as hard as I thought she would with name recognition and everything else. Uh, Armstrong at 51%, Vasquez at 35 with a constitutional and a Republican candidate uh, behind there. All of those candidates would have to fall out, and even then uh, I, there wouldn't be enough votes to uh, uh, to. Uh, to go to Vasquez at that point, that may be a, a kind of a losing proposition at this point. Well, yeah, maybe, you know, I go back and, and I'm going to keep saying it, Mike, we're going to have to talk about it, but there's going to be some soul searching that's going to have to be done in some of these races. If we're going to make sure that, you know, Republicans, you know, conservatives, even if they're different, you know, whatever, big tent, right. Um, there's going to have to be some people that are going to have to consider pulling their name. Um, to do some stuff here and well, how this works. Yeah, so. and beating the bushes because even if uh, the other two candidates dropped out and all of their votes went to Vasquez, she's still three right. points behind. Well, so. I know that doesn't mean there's not work to be done, but I mean splitting it up yeah. and leaving it to the algorithm and people understanding and getting the rank choice right, considering the how high the error rate is on these ballots nationally. That's yeah. not a strategy for. That's not a winning strategy for us. Yeah. So you know, getting people to drop out so you're down to just two, making it like it was, and getting everybody behind the best candidate is probably our wisest strategy at this point. And I, it, it's not surprising with how the ranked choice vote is going to play out. But look, the average rate of ballots being tossed is about eleven percent. That's national. That's the national average with ranked choice voting. So if you consider, you know, eleven percent of the votes getting tossed out, that's way above some of these races for people that are, you know, pulling five, six, eight percent. That will affect the race. So if we can't get some people to drop out and swallow their pride and go, you know what, you need to sit this one out, work again on the next one, get everybody behind the best candidate. We're probably setting ourselves up to lose some that otherwise we wouldn't lose. It's yeah. just something we're going to have to think about real hard. That's just. Absolutely. Uh, we're coming down to the end, so we're not going to be able to hit all of these. I know Jamie Allard's, uh, she had a 57% uh, for her voter uh, for 23. I think she's going to do well. The surprising one, the disappointing one to me, uh, is Dan Sadler pulling 53% in District 24, the Eagle River area, with Sharon Jackson only pulling in 25%. Um, that's disappointing just based on Sadler's commentary about binding caucuses and other things. Um, and you can sound off on that if you want before we jump into this, but we're, uh, we're running out of time here. No, I mean, that's, that's probably, yeah, we're out of time for the hour. You try to go through 60 races. It's hard to do that. You know, you can't do that in an hour with breaks and stuff. So, you know, it is what it is, Mike. We'll see. I've got a lot, I've got, you know, if I'm, if this, if I'm going to win this one, I'm going to have to counter the negative. Cause like I told you before, there's a lot of people spreading, you know, um, false information and lies and 
that's just what it is in a small town political realm, I guess. And I have a district that was drawn pretty clearly now when you look at it. And I already knew this and people inside were telling me, you know, to because there's certain players in the Republican Party would like to get rid of a too conservative, too vocal guy. Right. So that's an uphill battle. Your name recognition, new district. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, lies being spread you know, about why I'm doing this or what I've done or whatever. So it's going to be we're going to have to work on that and you know, see where it goes and, and focus on those areas. And we'll see what the final numbers do. But that's the reality. I mean, this sometimes can be a shock, right, to the system, to the people running and, and where we sit as a state. So there's a lot that comes out of this. But there are some things we're going to have to figure out how to do, you know, beyond me. You know, it's not it shouldn't just be about me going back or not, because there's a much broader picture. Like I said, even if I did. Some of these other races, we lose them. And you look at the composition of the Senate, brother, it's going to be a different game going yeah. back. So we'll see. Well, um, I wanted to ask you what your what your game plan was here, but we're out of time. So maybe we'll do that right uh, right after this. Um, Mike Shower, thank you, my friend. Appreciate all you do. And uh, appreciate hey, you, you got coming it, on. Uh, thanks you for, got it. Thanks for coming on board this morning. Folks, we got, uh, well, I guess we'll have more analysis tomorrow, maybe some candidates as well. We'll see if we can reach out to some of these other candidates. Back with more then. Have a great day. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Be kind. Love one another. So I guess, Mike, before I let you go, uh, I mean, so what does this mean for you? What is these these numbers? What kind of change does this mean for your campaign? What's your focus going to be? Uh, and again, this is only with 80% of the precincts reporting in and some of the more conservative uh, precincts have not yet reported. So I'm assuming this number is going to get closer. But what does this tell you overall as far as your own campaign strategy? Well, we're going to, I think, a big part for us, Mike, when I look at Big Lake and, and KGB, where Massey has rank name recognition and I don't, you know, with a lot of people, that's where we're going to have to focus because people are going to have to know, you know, who I am and, and learn a new part of the district. He gets a natural advantage by having name recognition from his parents and, and being down that neck of the woods. So that's something I don't have that we will have to focus on those areas and then let people make their own choice up. I can tell you over the last you know month or two, talking to people in the area, they still thought they had David Wilson. Many of them were you know uh, looking for somebody that might be different. And they're like, well, I'll support Massey. And I tell them, well, you know, I would be your senator. Now they go, oh, well, you're okay. So a lot of it, I think, is name recognition, telling them that I would be the representative down there and then letting them make a choice. And, of course, educating them on where I stand, because if they weren't listening to your program or watching Facebook lives with me, they would not know who I was or where I stood. So back to they pick a name because it's got an R or a D in front of it or because it's the name they recognize. So that's something that we will have to, to look at. If I had the same district, we probably wouldn't have this problem. Um, but I don't have the same district has changed. So that's something we're going to have to focus on. And that's been something we've been working on anyways, getting up signs, walking neighborhoods and trying to, you know, go to community councils and stuff that we've never been to, but that will be something we'll have to focus on. It's, we're going to have to get out and tell people who we are and then let them make a choice and see where it goes. Yeah, no, I think it's, uh, uh, this whole thing is, is definitely, maybe we live in interesting times is not just a proverb, or it's a way of life this day, these days. Um, and I think you're right. I think it's going to change. You know, it's going to definitely change the way that uh, some of these folks are going to have to campaign in their districts and some of the grassroots efforts they're going to need. So if you live in Senator Shower's district, hey, that would be me now. Um, you need to support him. Uh, time, effort, energy, treasure, whatever you got, send it his way. Um, and again, with any other candidate that you uh, that you support as well, um, I think it's going to be. Uh, 
I think it's going to be a uh, uh, an interesting next two and a half months, Mike. I, that's that's the bottom line. Final final thoughts from you. Now nah, that's that's what it is, brother. I was laughing. It's like you know, so he said, "Oh, the people love you up there." I'm like, "Well, the people can be fickle." I said, "What was it with Churchill? You know, he won World War II, and the people liked him so much they kicked him out of office after they won the war." So it's like, right, right. You never know, right? You gotta you gotta fight the battle and the and fickle public, right? Yeah, the fickle yeah, public. Let them, let them make a choice. And a lot of it is, you know, somebody may sound like you or have the same positions, but like you were saying, you got to drill down. And that's something I think we'll have to focus on quite frankly, as well as the differences, because people won't know that if somebody tries to sound like you. Right. So I think I will have to point out the differences in the PFD, the differences in spending, like defined benefits versus not some of those other things are things we're going to have to highlight. So people will know the, the whole story and then then make a choice and where it falls, it falls. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, uh, either way, <clears throat> we're all going to land on our feet one way or the other. It'll just be an interesting to see what the state looks like when we're done. Uh, Mike Shower. Uh, <laughs> For sure. <laughs> you just can't wait. I mean, I just, you know, I, Mike just wants to go back to flying planes. That's what he, <laughs> he wants to do here instead of trying to do his duty here in uh, protecting and bringing the state back on track, which is uh, – it's unfortunate we can't get more folks behind him. Uh, so we'll, but we're gonna we're gonna keep fighting that fight. We got two and a half months to met the rubber, meet the road. So uh, I'm happy. I was actually was very happy and surprised and uh, and pleasantly surprised yesterday to discover that uh, I got two of my favorite folks uh, who are representing me, and uh, it's good to see. So. Uh, all right, uh, Mike Shower, thank you, my friend, for coming on board. We look forward to uh, talking with you next week, and we'll um, we'll just keep checking in and seeing what the updates look like as we go through. I, by the way, I mean, I have reached out to your opponent and asked them to co- phone calls, uh, emails to their website. Their one email doesn't work; it's broken. The thing, other, I mean, but I I posted to their form. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but until then, you're always welcome back on the program to talk about stuff. No, you know, I'll come back on, but you should. He should be people. If they're going to hold me accountable, they should hold him too, Mike. They yeah. got to get him, get him on, and ask him those questions. Yeah. What's he going to do with the PFD? Define, I mean, they need to ask those questions to make an informed choice. Yeah. Make a choice. I'll respect the will of the people, but um, they do need to ask those questions because I think they may be a bit surprised. Yeah. Um, no. If uh, by his votes going down based on what I'm watching them say, so it's just something they need to be, you know, make sure you know everything that you can know and take it from there. All right. Well, thank you, Mike Shower. We appreciate it, folks. We are out of time. We got to go. Thank you for being part of it today. Please like and share this video, regardless of where you're at, uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, just share it. And then make sure you subscribe or follow or do whatever you need to do on all those other ones. Thanks for coming in, folks. We are out of time. Uh, Tomorrow's another day. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. We'll see you then.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs> 